welcome to Talking Tropes. With great tropes comes great responsibility. I'm Hannah. And I'm David. And we're talking about the Spooder Man. Yeah, we're, we're talking about the spider. The human spider. The man, Spider's Man. Um, a canonical <laughs> version of Spider-Man made up of 300,000 spiders who think they're Peter oh, Parker. Jesus. Oh, um, no. <laughs> We're not actually no likey. Yeah, we're not actually talking about um Spider's Man, but we are talking about good old Peter Parker and his various incarnations uh in the in the movie world. Yeah, and and I like I like a Spider-Man. You you like a Spider-Man? He's a good superhero. I I like a Spider-Man. Yeah, I think he's like one of those key superheroes and you know, unlike Batman, there's not as many like super duper dark like overly dramatic versions of his storytelling yeah so you can just sort of have fun yeah but in like a myriad different ways <laughs> well and i think also like a really great thing about spider-man is that like his story usually starts when he's like a young kid like he's in high school which I yeah. think automatically, especially to a younger audience, makes him like much more relatable and like much more interesting. Yeah, he's got a lot of nostalgia tied into him. Oh, for, for sure. sure. Um, and, and I think he's easily relatable, like to any little right. nerdy kid who's ever been bullied or ever wished that he had superpowers or she had superpowers. Like, right. And he falls into a lot of those kind of tropes. Oh, you know, for he's sure. an orphan. And, like, people in his life have died, and his life is kind of shit, and he's put upon. He's bullied in, like, really stereotypical <laughs> ways in every movie. It's it's honestly the YA novels of, like, comic books, you know? Like, it's all... No, it's, it is. It's it's the... This is the, like, inspiration yeah. for modern YA. Like, he's Harry Potter. He's got to grow up and take responsibility and save the day, you know? For sure. Yeah. Um, I, I love me as Spider-Man... I don't love me all of a Spider-Man movie though. <laughs> I I think I think you know in any Spider-Man movie no matter how like bizarre it is or campy or over the top or over serious, I think I can pretty much always find something to enjoy about it. But the, they they it is easy for me to compare them and say, you know, which ones I really like and which ones I'm like, eh. Yeah. So so we're going to talk about all of the like cinematic versions of spider-man that have happened in the last like decade or so right and so so that includes all of the sam raimi stuff all of the web movies um amazing spider-man or well yeah i said that um homecoming spider-verse venom like we're gonna talk about all of it i like that you call them the the web movies which just <laughs> makes it sound like they're movies with webs in them no, the, the mean, mark web amazing yeah, spider-man yeah 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 um so david I, i've written a little list for myself what's your what's your list i've i've ranked the spider-man movies um and, like, I might have some really unpopular opinions because I, I watched a lot of other people's and, like, listened to a lot of other people's opinions and thoughts on the Spider-Man movies. Spider-Man's very contentious. People, very People have a real emotional connection to what they say. Here, here, I mean, here's the thing. Like, I think so many Spider-Man, like, reviews and think pieces have so much to do with, like, what people want Spider-Man to be or what he should be based on some nebulous idea of the comics. But this character's been around for more than 60 years, you know? Yeah. He's he's well into the territory where we could start messing with him. 
Totally, totally. And I think definitely some of the newer incarnations, both in like comics and in the movies, have like really started to try to do that a little. Um, yeah. which which I think especially to an audience that has had like three different versions of Spider Man, like within and two their different lifetime. versions of Venom. Yeah. Like <laughs> like that needed to happen, you know, like like you can't just keep killing Uncle Ben over and over again. Um, oh, but that's my favorite part is <laughs> watching this old man die. Get his come up and... <laughs> All right, but we're getting away from it. Hit us with your list. Bottom to top. Controversial. I mean, I think everyone agree that these are the bottom two movies, maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. But uh, I might then have them in a controversial order. My n- least favorite Spider-Man film is Spider-Man 3. The Sam Raimi okay. film. Sam Raimi, Spider-Man 3. Not your bag. All right. Not my bag. Next. Okay. Amazing Spider-Man 2. All right. Garbage fire of a movie. Um, okay. After that, I've got Spider-Man, the original Sam Raimi film. Then okay. Spider-Man 2, the sequel. Oh, that's ranked pretty low comparatively to, to what most people think. Yeah, I was not a fan. Um, <laughs> then next... Just based on pure enjoyment, like, like I am totally fine with people saying this movie is hot garbage, but I enjoyed the shit uh-huh. out of Venom, so I'm putting it next, personally. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I've got, in the number three spot, Amazing Spider-Man, in the number two spot, Spider-Man Homecoming, and in the number one spot, mm-hmm. Into the Spider-Verse. And that's my list. Okay, number one is Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Just as a gag, I'm going to go top to bottom. No! <laughs> number one, oh Spider-Man 3. No! It's the best one. Stop. And no one understands my life. It's been so hard. I... Spider-Man 3 is the best one. I don't even know what to do with you. Number two, Amazing Spider-Man 2. <laughs> this is a lie. <laughs> no, it's not. This is 100% real. Number three, <laughs> Into the Spider-Verse. It's very pretty. I can't, I can't fall into the Spider-Verse. Wow. Number four, Venom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that we both have Venom at number four. Venom is, ex- it's just such a middle movie. It's not... You like just, a movie, but it is fun. You just don't know what to do with it. You just put it in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Number five, Amazing Spider-Man 1. Okay. Number six, Spider-Man 2. Oh, and the worst one is the first one. Wow. First is worst. I'm sticking by it. Wow. Wow. I... So, so, so if, if you guys, like, thought that my opinions are bad before, you ain't seen nothing until <laughs> you see my Spider-Man opinions. Oh, my I'm just wrong. God. But I, it, but it feels so right. I, all right, let's start with Spider-Man 1. Three. Okay. Okay, we'll start with Spider-Man 1. <laughs> we'll start with Spider-Man 1. <laughs> Sam Raimi's original Spider-Man, the fucking floodgate the- that opened it all. Um, it made the worst decision of any of the Spider-Man movies, like, just as, like, a production decision. Yeah. Which is, like, why do you put Willem Dafoe in a in a mask? Yeah. You're an idiot. <laughs> you have no vision, Sam Raimi. Uh, 
Who puts Willem Dafoe, the man who is part mask, <laughs> in a mask? Yeah, well, okay, so so you have that as the worst one. I have that as the third worst one. So we it's we don't like it. It's we both agree it's not great. Well, see, I mean, most people in our age group saw that movie when they were um, seven, maybe eight. Yes. Um, like it's it came out in two thousand two. Yeah. So like in my age group, there's seven. <laughs> in your age group. They're nine. Yeah. So, like, this is right in that superhero movie campy sweet spot. Yeah. And, like, it's very bright and colorful and nice. And Peter Parker's, like, a nice kid who's, like, pretty nice. Oh, but he's not at all. He's, like, literally... Like, that's my thing about the original Sam Raimi trilogy is that, like, Peter Parker's a fucking, like, selfish prick. In these entire series. Yeah, but, uh, well, we'll get to Spider-Man 3 later. Okay, we'll get to Spider-Man 3 later. <laughs> but, like, I'm not even talking Spider-Man 3. Like, Spider-Man 1 and 2. He's a selfish, weird jerk. Like... Well, he's, like, a creepy guy because he's played by, like, Tobey Maguire, who's this weird man whose face is made out of dough. Yeah, like, like it has been a long-standing opinion of yours that you hate Tobey Maguire's face. And like it, w- his face is like such a dough face. It's made of it's made of the sweetest, <laughs> like stretchiest dough. It just like it wasn't until I actually watched like the first two movies because I had seen the <laughs> third one in theaters weirdly enough, but I had never watched the first two. Um, like that is weird. That I really just like. I agree with you so much. I never want to see Tobey Maguire's weird <laughs> doughy punchable face ever again. Like, ugh. He's such a bad actor. Like, literally no line that he delivers in this entire trilogy is one that I believe, you know? <laughs> like, Who made you that outfit? Your husband? Ugh. 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 Oh, there's there's that wonderful scene. I think it's in Spider-Man 2 where he's like flirting with Mary Jane uh, like outside of his house mm-hmm. after like his birthday. Mm-hmm. And uh, and like Mary Jane's like, you want to just get out of here or something? And he's like, oh, goody. Yay. <laughs> like almost exactly like uh, Buster from Arrested Development. Oh, um, like, he's I, he's like Tony Hale, I, but like he's supposed to be like a sex. Straight. Yeah. Yeah, he's supposed to be our hero. Yeah, he, I, I believe the line is, um, Mary Jane is like, Peter, don't you want me to kiss you or something like that? And he goes, <laughs> oh boy, yeah. Like, oh boy, like, <laughs> oh boy, a kiss from a pretty girl. <laughs> like, That's I will say, I will say this about the, like, original <laughs> Spider-Man trilogy. Like, they did it really there was no curse words in these, like, at all. Like, he says damn in the third movie. But, like, these were very, besides the violence, very appropriate for all audiences, you know? Like... I mean, yeah, I mean... J. Jonah Jameson's, like, the most uh, offensive character, like, on there. He's just, like... J. Jonah Jameson is the fucking (laughs) bright spot in this entire series. Like... Well, like, these, you gotta view these movies as comedies, oh, right? Oh, yeah. Like, they're but like, funny movies. But, like, the only comedy that I feel like is intentional is, like, the Jonah Jameson scenes. 
And see, that's where you're wrong because it's all intentional. Every part of it is intentional. All right. Like if you like, this is where like maybe having some foreknowledge of Sam Raimi and his oeuvre is like somewhat useful because when he does like it's like a it's like a musical, you know, they, they're playing everything straight, but also for laughs. Yeah. Things are supposed to be over the top. They're supposed to be campy. Sure. It's it's both. They're comedy and serious at the same time. All right. Well, so well, what is when it? fucking like Dr. Octopus comes on and he's like, um, you know, I was telling my wife the theory of relativity. Uh, and that's and that's when we really fell in love. Yeah. And then I won her over with poetry. Oh my god! <laughs> like it's silly because it's terrible dialogue, but it's also like it's also supposed to be real, like impactful. Like it's, their relationship is real it's the melodrama and funny. Of it. Exactly. Like these are melodramas, you know. Yeah. So so camp. why do you hate the first one, David? What's so bad about Cause it? Because it's, it's just there's no like. There's there's no real use to this villain who just kind of like pops in and out with very mundane, weird motivations. Yeah. Like he just sort of shows up and like throws bombs at people for no reason. And then like oh, so like he, he vaporizes the members of like the the board of directors uh-huh. that's like shutting down his his research um, but then he's also like obsessed with tracking down Spider-Man and recruiting him into his like gang of one. <laughs> well, okay, let's talk about like how fast paced like through time this movie is, at least in like the first half of it. Cause like it starts out and they're in high school and it like ends with He's still in high school at the end, isn't no he? No way. He they graduate in like 20 minutes into the movie. That's true. It's, I totally forgot. It's very insane. And then they're like in college. Well, they got to like just go through all of the iconic like Spider-Man scenes. Yeah. So he's got to like get bullied by Flash Thompson. And then he's got to like graduate. But then he's got to like be an adult and have a job. But then he like. They just got to go through all the beats. Lives with Harry and like Mary Jane is kind of <laughs> around, I guess. Or she's dating Harry briefly. And like, I don't know. It's just like, it's, it feels like fucking ping pong with my like attention and with this character development. It's just like, suddenly we're here and now we're over there and now this is happening. Hooray. Yeah. I mean, but like the pacing of the movie isn't like as bad. It's, it's genuinely more like each scene kind of leads into the next one, but time as like a thing doesn't really make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. uh, it's like in Inception, you know, like, you know how that movie, like, it doesn't make any sense time-wise, and that's, like, the point. But, like, I don't know that it not making sense time-wise is the point of this melodrama or not. It's a dream within a dream, Hannah. Just, you gotta wake it's up. It's Sam Raimi's dream. <laughs> um, his fever dream. Uh, speaking of fever dreams, the fucking, like corny ass like yeah. <laughs> where he's like, getting his powers overlays oh my god getting the powers with like the skulls and the spiders and there were like a couple gotta... of other scenes like that too right you gotta was... understand oh though god. like i mean this is this is the first time anyone's like seeing the origin of spider-man on the big screen right that's yeah but like like this oh oh <laughs> and 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 also let's talk about that origin a little bit because like mm-hmm. everyone talks about uncle ben's death especially in 
these like original Sam Raimi films and they're like Yeah, it's so it's, moving. It's so moving. It's really not. It this takes character literally, is so ill-defined. He's so ill-defined. He has no personality. We don't really understand, unless you've read the comics, what his, like, like how much he actually means to Peter. Because Peter's a little shit throughout the entire movie. <laughs> um, and then, like, also, he gets killed because Peter goes to a fucking wrestling match to try to win a car? Like, That's from the comics. <laughs> I know, but it's so bad. Like, what an and then, awful motivation. And then motivation. you got Bonesaw. You can't, you can't skip over Bonesaw. He's the most important part of the movie. Which one is Bonesaw? He's Randy Savage. Oh. And he comes out and he says, Bonesaw is ready. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so Peter Parker fucking gets his powers. Then is like, I gotta impress a girl with a car. And I don't have any money, so I've got to get money. Like, it's so convoluted, you know? It's not like I'm going to impress It's not this. convoluted. It's just, like, cliche, It's you know? so cliche. But I don't like, know. We're dealing with, with really basic tropes of, like, superhero storytelling. But, like, they hadn't really been shown before. Because this is, like, this was supposed to be, like, the comic book movie. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So I think, like, in context, it makes a little more sense. But, like, thinking about it now, where superhero movies are just supposed to be like action movies that happen to contain superheroes. We just, we can't even comprehend like, why is Spider-Man one like this? <laughs> I don't even, it's, ugh, it's too much. Um, I, just, I just, I just hate it. Cause it's just, it's all of these like tropes just sort of like lazily, like thrown together yeah. you know the 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 green goblin you know he he goes and he like dangles the, the damsel in distress off a building and then says you have to choose spider-man oh my god suffer the little <laughs> children <laughs> choose between your lover <laughs> or suffer the little children Ugh, it's it's just it's amazing but it's also it's just so dumb yeah, I just, <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, it's so dumb. And like, literally, almost no one in these films is a good actor. Like, fuck Kristen Dunn. Except Willem Dafoe. <laughs> Willem Dafoe is like the most over the top, but delightful to watch. <laughs> Like he's, every... he's even better in the other movies, in my opinion, when he like comes in as like a like a delusion of uh, James of Harry's. Franco. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> James Franco is doing nothing in these films. Like he's fucking high. He's it's okay. gotta be high out of his goddamn mind. Like <laughs> he's he's so high. Um... <laughs> is literally doing nothing. Yeah, and Kirsten does. Is it Kirsten or Kristen? It's Kirsten. Is it Kirsten? I. Who gives a shit? She's terrible. The oh. Dunst is, uh, <laughs> is is is. I think she's in a totally different movie. Um, she has no idea what movie she's in. No, she's like. <laughs> it's just it's garbage. And she's trying to act off of a literal pile of biscuit dough. Uh, it's it. Yeah, like. Toby Maguire's giving her nothing. She her part is like the most underwritten piece of garbage on the planet. Yeah. It is filled with every single like romantic superhero trope that like And romantic ever cliche exists. in general. Like yes. running like in the second one, running away from a wedding and mm -hmm. like dating someone just to make the hero jealous. And, yeah. Like 
you know, I can tell it's you because of the kiss. It's just like, it's the same look. Oh my God. The fucking kiss is the worst. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm like flummoxed. I can't even talk about how awful she is, especially in the second movie. Um, well, isn't like in the first one, like where the, the iconic kiss happens. That was like, but you know, all the, she does it was so iconic. Like, like the, I, Mary Jane, like apparently comes from like this broken home, right? It's so that, unexplored because it because the film just doesn't care. It doesn't care. <laughs> it it's just like her tragic backstory or whatever. But then she spends the entire rest of this film series just jumping from dude to dude and being like weird and manipulative, but also like horribly oh, no. insecure. Do you hate? Do you hate Mary Jane? I kind of do. Like, oh, I love Mary Jane. Nah. She's the only like character that I that I sympathize with. Nah. Because because she's the only one who just seems like like why can't all this dumb drama shit just be over? Like but why can't we just be But she causes half of it. Like that's the problem. No. That's not true at all. She I just wants to date. She just wants to date uh Peter and Peter's just like, "No, I can't. I'm too Spider-Man right now." I mean, Peter's a piece of shit, too. Like, don't get me wrong. I hate him the most of anyone. But, like, ugh. It's just, it's so bad. J. Jonah Jameson is the only character I care about. Vindication for him. Um, Him and Elizabeth he's, Banks he's as his secretary that no one remembers. <laughs> what is, she doesn't know what movie she's in either. No, <laughs> but she does like, a great job. Like, my yeah. my whole thing with Elizabeth Banks is, like, I don't think she's a particularly good actress, but I think she's an amazing character actress, and, like, this yeah. movie is all just character acting, you know? <laughs> it's just so weird, like, because this movie is so much trying to be the comics, but also be set in modern day. Yeah. So, like, this newspaper, like, like char- these characters are so, like, out of time. They've just been, like, frozen cryogenically since the 50s. Yeah. <laughs> and they've just, they've just blossomed into modern 2002 New York. But, like, I fucking buy J. Jonah Jameson a little bit as, like, you know, the, like, New York Post- like do you writer, buy you know? him or do you just love him unconditionally love him. despite the fact that he's totally out of place yeah i like i don't know like i think he gets a pass because he's writing a fucking gossip rag you know like, he does get he does get a huge pass because he's just the best yeah he's, um, he's amazing he's God, the best that whole part. scene my favorite scene with him is in Spider-Man 3, which might contribute to my ir- irrational, um, you know, Stockholm Syndrome-esque love for Spider-Man 3. <laughs> All right, well, we'll um, get there. Which is the scene where, where he's, like, um, he's, like, supposed to take his pills and Elizabeth ba- Banks keeps buzzing him. Oh, my God. And it, like, shakes the whole table. That I've, is... That scene is so funny. It really is. You're so right. <laughs> that is, honestly, the best scene in Spider-Man 3. Um... It's so, like, everything that, like, fucking J.K. Simmons does as J. Jonathan, like, Jameson is just brilliant, you know? Like, of course. It's, it's, it's just so good. So this movie ends with, like, this Green Goblin's, like, big plan is just to, like, talk to Spider-Man and be like, (laughs) join me. And Spider-Man's like, no, because, like, I forget why he hates Spider-Man. 
he doesn't hate Spider-Man. He just like he's like, this is the problem with being the hero. He yeah, hates you're heroes. better than all these people, Spider-Man. With great power comes great power. You know, he's like the anti the antithesis to Uncle Ben. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So then so then like they're in this final confrontation and um you know green goblin's like don't kill me spider-man i'm like a father to you and i'm a father to harry and then spider-man's like i already have a father and his name is uncle ben Ben. (laughs) (laughs) okay well i have an uncle (laughs) yeah um and then the green goblin kills himself on accident. But not before, like, mugging the camera one more time. Yeah. It's, great, it's a great movie as well. And then he's like, don't tell Harry. Dead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, deathbed confessionals, that trope is, like, a really big thing with all these Spider-Man movies. It's like, when people are, like, dying, they, like, give, like, one last request. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, like, a big thing. That's that's a big thing. Yeah. Um. So, like, he dies. There's a funeral. Harry, played by James Franco, high off his fucking hat, is like, I hate Spider-Man. I swear revenge. I get him. (laughs) Like, every line is just so wooden. And then Mary Jane is also like, I'm really horny for you, Peter. And he's like, I can't. I'm too emo. And then it ends. And he walks away so awkwardly from her in that graveyard scene. Like, go back and watch that scene. It is the most awkward walk away. Like, he's just waiting for someone to yell cut. You know? (laughs) Like, it's it's so bad. I'm like, this is what it ends on? This is it? (laughs) No, yeah. It's, uh, you know, who am I? Spider-Man. I'm Spider-Man. So because he's Spider-Man, he's too emo to date Mary Jane. And then that leads to Spider-Man 2, which where does that sit on your list again? It's second to last. Um, and this is, I mean, most okay. people put this as number one as they're on their lists. And, and I just don't get yeah. it. Like, I don't understand the love for Spider-Man 2. Did you like Spider-Man 2? No, I mean, I, I like it more than Spider-Man. I like it more than... Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's it's got a way more cohesive story. The villain's motivation makes a little bit more sense, but like... I mean, but only barely. Only um, barely, yeah. Uh, He's, it's more so just that he gets, like, crazy jacked into his skull, which was the same as uh, Willem Dafoe. You know, he, he also just has craziness juice in his brain. That's not very compelling. Yeah, and, and like, that's something that I've noticed about a lot of these villains is, like... Very few of them are villains really of their own volition. They all get like hijacked by like some other evil consciousness, you know, like the Green Goblin, both as Norman and Harry. It's like you're taking like super soldier evil steroids. So now you're evil and have like a split personality and like Dr. Octopus gets like taken over by evil AI arms (laughs) that are evil for whatever reason. Yeah, I mean, Uh, I don't think that was in the comics. I I mean, I don't remember that at all. Otto Octavius is just like a fucking narcissist. Like, he's... He's supposed to be, like, this guy who just thinks he's literally better than everyone else because he's a genius. Yeah. And, like... uh, Shoot. What happens in Spider-Man 3? Like, yeah, Spider-Man 3, like, Eddie whatever gets taken over by Venom. No, he, before he no we're not getting to spider-man 3 yet but there's right. nothing wrong with spider-man 3 eddie wants to kill spider-man before right. venom takes over his body because That's... he's the best villain he's so good 
I love Eddie all Brock. Right, all right. Not not Spider-Man 3, but like, but it happens in Amazing Spider-Man too. Like there are a couple villains in that where it's like they get corrupted by some external thing and like that's mm, what I mean, I feel like that only really applies to the lizard, which yeah. I mean, that's why Amazing Spider-Man's third to the bottom on my list, you know? Dang. I don't think I don't think the lizard was very compelling. <laughs> At least not once he becomes the lizard. When he's Kurt yeah. Connors, I thought like that was pretty good. But we, we're, yeah. we're getting ahead of myself, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Spider-Man Spider-Man 2, um, you know, here's the thing about intelligence, Hannah. Intelligence is not a privilege, it's a gift that must be shared with the world. Oh, boy. What does that mean? Can you explain what that could possibly mean? It means those smart people gotta... What if you reverse the words? Listen, listen, it's not a gift, it's a privilege that you have to share with the world. It means exactly the same thing, because yeah. like a gift and a privilege in this context mean exactly the same, the same thing. thing. Yeah. The themes of this movie yeah. are, are preposterous. They don't make any sense. No. Peter Parker and Spider-Man continue to be the worst parts of these movies. And we spend so much more time with Peter Parker in this movie than in Spider-Man 1, where we got a lot more time with um, Green Goblin. So, like, <laughs> fucking Spider-Man in this one... Like, loses his powers and is like, I should just be a regular dude. He gets spider reptile dysfunction. I don't think I made yeah. that up. I think I heard that somewhere. But it's like, I mean, he just, it's his powers accurate. don't work because he's lost his confidence. Which, like, I fucking hate. Like, I hate <laughs> the whole. First of all, I hate that to begin with. But then I well, hate yeah, we, that. I mean, we just released the um, the Moana episode where that yeah. happens to Maui. Yeah. And it's like, Not it's so dumb. Thing. It's like, just just skip that part. Just get to the part where he has the powers and he has the confidence. Right. Or it's like, it's one thing to like have the powers and like still be unconfident. Like, that's fine. You can have a character do that. They don't need to literally lose their powers. Um because I think it, like, robs them of, like, having to actually deal with that lack of confidence, you know? Sure. It's well, it's just, it's, like... just, it's interesting. Like, in Spider-Man 1, the, the, the whole moral is with great power comes great responsibility. You've got two characters that mirror each other. They've both got a lot of power. And only one of them is being responsible with that power. And that's Spider-Man. Yeah. And then in Spider-Man 2, it's, listen, even if you're not that powerful, you still have responsibilities. And those responsibilities take over every part of your life and dominate every single thing. And you can't have a moment of happiness to yourself because you have to do the things that other people don't want to do because it's just your fucking job. Do your job, (laughs) Spider-Man. Which is, I think, horrible. Like It's not a great theme. (laughs) No. It's a horrible, horrible message. And it's like how Peter starts off seeing the movie and like I think he comes a little bit closer to like a better work-life balance so to speak by the end of it but like right. not that much better you know he I mean he doesn't at all he just decides 100% to be Spider-Man and then you know um Mary Jane is like well I'll still date you because I mean you're Spider-Man that's fucking hot <laughs> yeah um Mary Jane is awful in this movie in my opinion maybe you like her I guess <laughs> she doesn't do anything <laughs> wrong she just wants like to her best friend to come to her plays and shit and he can't because he's like too busy being Spider-Man I mean like yes I mean she's right about that part but like he's so she's so wrong about so many other parts like she flirts with Peter and is like 
by the way, just because I know you're not interested now, I have a boyfriend. It's like, bitch, you had a boyfriend when you started flirting with me. Like, what are you doing? Like, Well, no, because she still has feelings for him, but he rejected her. Yeah, then break up with your boyfriend or get over Peter. But like, she, what, why would she break up with her boyfriend to be with someone who rejected her? Exactly. Get over Peter. Ugh. But like, it's still hard to get rid of those feelings. People, people shit on Mary Jane all the time, you guys. I'm... S- I'm so triggered. <laughs> I like Mary Jane. I just like she's ugh, I don't know. She's just It's not a great performance and like there's a no. lot of screaming and damseling involved. But like as a character, I feel like she's really motivated. You know, she wants to be like an actress and she wants to be a star and she wants to, you know, have her friends around Harry and Peter who she genuinely likes and enjoys their company. Okay. But like, I'll say this, we're jumping ahead a little bit to Spider-Man three to talk about Mary Jane's acting career. I thought she was an actor in Spider-Man two as well. Well, she, she was like a struggling, she's working at a diner and then like, she gets like, in a play. Yeah, she but... gets in a play. That's what I mean. She didn't... But, but like... Spider-Man, Spider-Man tries to go to the play, and he's like, Oh, sorry, Spider-Man, you're late. You shouldn't have stopped that crime. Yeah. Well, but so, like... But it's... I, should we talk about Spider-Man 3? Because, like, that's where a lot of terrible Mary Jane shit really is. That's... No, that's... Are you, are you kidding me? That's the most motivated that Mary Jane ever is. Because Spider-Man I mean, in Spider-Man fair. 3 is the worst character he's such a I mean, jerk. he's the worst character in every spider-man movie right but in three it's actually like referenced and like the filmmakers seem to understand like yes spider-man you're or peter you know you're you're being an asshole like every yeah. time mary jane tries to express something about how her life's falling apart peter just go, keeps going on and on about how like yeah, this is just like how I was, you know I was with Spider Man like a couple years ago, but now everything's great. People love Spider Man. Well, like here's the thing, I agree that that like Peter's really stupid in that confrontation where like Mary Jane gets a really bad review, um, and Peter's like, "Well, you gotta get used to it." Like Spider, people say mean things about Spider Man all the time, and she's like, "Well, it's not about you. This is about me." And like I disagree with people who are like, "She's the worst for saying that." But, like, I also disagree that she's totally in the right. Like, No, she's 100% is... in the right. So, no. Peter, Peter Parker is so selfish. Like, he doesn't understand women. He doesn't get it. I mean, he doesn't. He just, he's just like, no, this is the time to propose, you know? Like, everything's oh perfect God. now. He's completely blissfully unaware that, like, Mary Jane's life is falling apart because... She's, like, dating Spider-Man, who's this huge, yeah. like, beloved figure, and she just feels like a nobody to him. And then it's all yeah. brought to a head when he starts flirting with his uh, lab partner right in front of her. Uh-huh, and then making out with her. And then he does not just making out with her, he does the kiss. Yeah. The, the singular symbol of when Mary Jane realized that she was in love with, with Peter Parker as Spider-Man. Like, yeah. was that kiss? And he just does it with somebody else. It's it's crazy. Yeah. Like, Peter Parker, he's, like, he's actually, he just thinks he's having fun. You know, he just thinks, you know, it's Spider-Man, you know? He's, like, a different guy. Yeah. You know, we're not the same person. But Mary Jane is, like, suffering mm-hmm. because she has to deal with, like, dating someone with, like, a split personality, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah. And, like, like, I think I'll agree with you. Again, we're skipping ahead and talking about Spider-Man 3. But, like, I, I think that 
her motivation and because of that, like her acting in the third one is probably the best that she ever gets. Um, Oh God, that scene. I mean, everybody makes fun of this scene, but I love it. The scene in the, in the, um, the cafe where she's singing. Um, Oh yeah. And, and like the dance Mm -hmm. happens, like the, the iconic dance sequence of Spider-Man three. Um, I kind of love that. <laughs> because it's a musical. It's a musical. And I like musicals. I love musicals. But, like, I love that scene just, like, as a scene anyway. Because I think it is the epitome of, like, Peter being a huge asshole. Because it's taking all of her insecurities that she's told him from earlier. That she feels bad that Spider-Man is upstaging her. And he literally upstages her with another woman. And, like, hats fucking off to Gwen for being like, holy shit, Peter, you're an asshole. You did all of that for her and you used me like this? Mary Jane, I'm so sorry. He's an asshole. Exactly. I'm like, out. doesn't it just feel like the, doesn't it just feel like the, the character, like the filmmakers, they get it. They understand, At least... like, that they're framing Peter as his actions are selfish. Yeah. Instead of in the other movies where it's just like, Listen, you know, a guy's got to do what a guy's got to do. It's responsibility, yeah. eh? <laughs> it's, uh, it's got to go to work. I got to I gotta go to work. I got to uh, put money on yeah. the table. I got to stop Green yeah. Goblin. Got to take pictures of Spider-Man. Being Spider-Man. <laughs> Ugh. But in the third one, it's like, no, Peter, you need to change. Yeah. You're, you aren't enough. Mm-hmm. And, and like in all the other ones, it's just, no, Peter just got to be Spider-Man. He just got to be Spider-Man the same way he always know how. He got to be Spider-Man. I, I- I do want to talk really briefly about um, the Harry-Peter relationship in these movies because it doesn't exist, right? Like, that's not just me. Until the third one where it's the perfect it's, it's the perfect resolution and it's so good. But yeah, ugh. in Spider-Man 1, he's just kind of there. Yeah, they're like, we're best friends, but like, are they? Well, because it's literally all set up for the second one, you know? But, like, like, even in the second one, like, they're not really friends there. And then, like, No, he... because the point of him there is that he wants revenge on Spider-Man. That's his role, you know? Right, but he, like, I don't know. You don't need Harry to be Peter's best friend for him to seek revenge, you know? But, the, but, but then at the end, when it's revealed, like, who Peter is, this is at the end of Spider-Man 2, where he's all wrapped up in barbed wire... And, uh, and, uh, he, he's on the table and then like, he, he, he's talking to, he's talking to Harry and he's like, Harry, there are things right now you don't fucking understand. I gotta <laughs> go. I gotta go save the day. Yeah. I got a job to do. I gotta stop Green Goblin. I mean, sorry, I already killed him. <laughs> but there's no time to explain. There's no time to explain. I gotta go. That's a pretty big trope in these but movies. But then, like, in the third movie, at the climax, which, like, yeah. I think at this point we should probably just start talking about the third movie. Um, actually, there's <laughs> one more part that I want to talk about the second one. But, like, at the climax of the third movie, yes. Peter shows up at Harry's window and is like, she needs us, Harry. It's Mary Jane. And then, like, yeah. expects him to help. And it's like... Why the fuck is this, like, golden trio? Like, it's not a golden trio. This is not Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Like, like... No, because Ron never goes through a villain period where he's, you know, obsessed with revenge. Well, and Harry's not in love with Hermione, but, like, still. Like... 
Like, there's no actual friendship between these characters that I feel or understand or feel like is shown at all throughout any of these movies. It's all just, like, being... I feel like it's all tell, no show. In Spider-Man 3, when he has amnesia and they're all just, like, palling around, he's like, you guys are my best friends. See, that's the most friends that I feel like they ever are. Right, because Spider-Man 3 is the best one, so we agree. Uh, Let's move (laughs) on to Amazing Spider-Man. and uh, No, Spider-Man 3, though... I, I, I won't. Damn it. I forgot what I was going to say about Spider-Man 2. All right. Let's move on. To our <laughs> I, okay. Well, I'll say, I'll say my thing about Spider-Man 2. Maybe it'll trigger your, your memories. Maybe. The, the, the big plan. So, you know, Spider-Man 1, I criticize. The villain doesn't have a really good plan. In Spider-Man 2, he's got a great plan. He's going to build the sun in the middle of a city. <laughs> And he's got to finish his old science experiment because that's what right. the evil AI want to happen. And the reason that he wants to, like, kidnap, the reason he wants, like, Spider-Man is because he was told if he gets Spider-Man, then he can get this magical element out of Harry's safe. Yep. So he doesn't really have any stake in killing Spider-Man or anything. Well, I mean, he blames Spider-Man a little bit for the thing going wrong, I feel like, at one point, but, like, it's very minimal. And then he, like, kidnaps Mary Jane for, like... Very confusing reasons. Yeah, Mary Jane gets kidnapped and held hostage in all three of these movies. Yeah, it's like she gets kidnapped and then Doc Ock like leaves her somewhere to go fight Spider-Man and kill him. (laughs) Yeah. But he's literally supposed to bring Spider-Man to Harry alive. That was like the whole deal. So why is he trying to kill him on this train scene? The oh, iconic oh, train scene. That's what I wanted to talk about. The iconic train scene. Everyone is go. like, when they're talking about like Spider-Man 2 being the best Spider-Man film, which is <laughs> wrong. Um, it's like, talking about Peter mugging. They're like, it's it's so inspiring to see all the New Yorkers come together to like help him and blah, blah, blah. And they literally do like the Jesus, like yeah. pass him over. I personally laughed my ass off during that scene i could not yeah, it's keep funny. a straight face it's goofy as shit like it's not emotional <laughs> i don't give a crap like like you wow, mess with Peter, one of us Jesus. you mess with all of us yeah it's oh it's so so dumb all right that's it for spider-man 2 what do you love about spider-man 3 david it's the top well of the I, list. S- I still wanted to say that uh so then at the end dr octopus he 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 has like a heroic sacrifice moment that is totally unearned where he's just like I've got this Spider-Man. I'll save the day because I realized that you're Peter Parker, which, you know, reasonably I should have realized earlier when we actually met you and me <laughs> in the diner and I saw yeah. that like, you know, you know Spider-Man and yeah. also you have the same motivations as Spider-Man. And also you have the same voice as Spider-Man. I should have noticed a lot earlier, but forget all about that. Now that I've seen that you're Spider-Man, I know that I have to kill myself by drowning the sun in the river. And also, that's how suns work. If you dunk yep. them in the river, they just we'll, stop. They'll go away. Yeah. I don't know if that's how suns work. Um, It definitely is. Spider-Man 2 told me. Okay. Well, there you go. So he tried to build the sun in New York to save the world from an energy crisis. And he failed miserably. But he's, he's I guess his motivation didn't make no sense. Yeah, it made a little bit of sense. It wasn't just entirely awful. But he learns to, he learns that with great power comes great responsibility. And also that you have to kill yourself in order to, like, 
in order to save the city. Because they just don't want to deal with the ramifications of, like, letting a villain live, you know? Yeah. In those first two movies. Mm -hmm. Unlike my favorite Spider-Man movie. (laughs) Spider-Man 3, where the villain lives. So this is at the bottom of my list. Oh, my God. It's so good. It's, like, it's, like... So confusing. What's like, confusing about it? It's such a straightforward story. It's a story it's about a, revenge and learning to not feel the need for revenge. Okay, I think that's fair. Maybe it's not confusing. It just feels, like, cluttered. But and there's like, only, like, really two villains, and then there's a third villain who's in the first... There's one villain who's in the first act, and one villain who's only in the, the third act, and then one villain who carries on throughout. And that's called good storytelling. That's how The Dark Knight is, is told. It? Yeah, in the beginning of the movie, you're dealing with these, like, mobsters who are totally absent from the, like, last half of the movie. And then you have one character who slowly turns into a villain over the course of the movie. And you have one villain who's the constant, which is the Joker. All right. Yeah. I mean, this is, like, people get so, like, mad. Like, there's too many villains. I can't follow it. It it just feels like... Fucking nut up. It's a movie. There's lots of characters. I mean, yeah. Like, I don't know. It's just... It really feels like the characters, like, the villains, like, pop in and out of relevance, and I don't feel like there's necessarily satisfying conclusions to, like, all of them. Like... I totally disagree. Right. I totally disagree. All right, well, let's talk like, about the villains one by one. Who, who do you want to talk about first? Yeah. I want to talk about Sandman first. All right, let's talk about... Because he's our villain throughout the movie, you know? He's our, he's our, he's our main villain. He's got a very... He may not be the villain that we face in the end, yeah. you know, that's, you know, but, like, he's like the Joker. He's yeah. he's there in the beginning of the movie, he's there in the end of the movie, and the arc of the movie is centered around uh, what we do with him. Yeah, and, like, he, he's got a pretty decent motivation, you know, wants to help his kid. He's sort of retconned. Yeah, he's the most motivated Spider-Man villain, I think, of any yes, of them. Yes, and... Including, you know, Homecoming. And his motivation has nothing specifically to do with Peter Parker, which is honestly fucking refreshing. Right. It's gr- well. I mean, uh, to be fair, like, I, I mean, Doctor Octopus, his motivation didn't really have to do with Peter Parker, and like Green Goblin just had no motivation. He's just like, I want to rule this city. Yeah. Sandman, he he initially just wants to help his daughter, but he turns into a monster because. He's, like, afraid of this murderous Spider-Man coming to kill him for something he didn't even do. Well, he did something. Well, I mean, he did it, but it was an accident. Yeah, like, I don't know. And, like, he's got a really sad emotional, like, climax. I I still can't tell. Does he die at the end or just, like... No, he just, he just, he just Flies away. Yeah, Yeah. he's forgiven, and so he disappears from Peter's life forever. He's he's not a part of his... We're getting ahead of ourselves. We're talking about Sandman, the character. And first of all, visually, he's fantastic. Like, you gotta admit that. They did some great stuff. I think the effects hold up pretty decently. Yeah, I mean, Dr. Octopus, whenever he's in full CGI, like, swinging around the city, he looks awful. And... Like, Green Goblin in his Power Ranger mask looks fucking stupid. But Sandman, he looks good no matter what angle. He's made of sand. And it looks like <laughs> sand. Yeah. And just, like, that whole that whole sequence where he's, like, rebuilding himself in the... Yes. Fuck, that's good. It's pretty. Honestly, like, if this whole movie had just sort of had, like him as a main antagonist, no! I think I might have liked it. No! All right, that's fair. 
I get so mad when people say there's too many villains. They should have just picked one villain because the what makes this movie so great is that it juggles all of these villains and they all work in conjunction with each other. Here's why I think it's too many villains, because there's not three villains. There's four because Peter fucking Parker is a villain for a good chunk of this movie. Okay, well, I point again to The Dark Knight, where, like, uh, yeah, like, the the hero does morally dubious things, and, like, you know, you have to question their motivations. But it's not just morally dubious. He's just, like, literally an asshole, basically, villain. Yeah, who who was reformed over the course of the movie, which is the, the whole point, is he's... He grows as a character more than he does in any other movie. Sure, but and and I think like okay, maybe not not all the villains, but like if he had Sandman and Harry to deal with as the only villains, which is I guess what Sam Raimi wanted. He didn't want to put Venom in in the first place. Like it would have been at least a more interesting story that's just about like what it means to be redeemed, you know? Because like Peter I 100% has a redemption arc. Disagree. Really? The, the way that they do Venom is so integral. Like, it, it's it's so important to this script. I don't know what the older versions of the script looked like, but they integrated Venom so well. Like, if you want, like, advice on how to deal with, like, a shitty corporate mandate, look to Spider-Man 3. They made oh my a fucking God. meal out of, out of Venom. Um it's they, they they use the instead of the like the black suit originally in like the comics was supposed to be this like metaphor for like drug addiction. Like you get addicted to the power. Uh-huh. And it was lame. Sorry, comic book nerds. <laughs> your shit is lame sauce. Okay. Well what what is it here, if not that? Well you tell me. You, you you're smart. You 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 watch movies, you know what it is. You saw the movie. I, I mean, it's toxic masculinity. Like, I don't know. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's it's toxic masculinity and revenge, which are sort of tied in together really well in this movie. Because his revenge against um, the person who supposedly killed his, his uncle is woven in with his sexual frustration at not being able to get the girl. I mean, yeah, but, like, not getting the girl is his own fault, like... Yes, exactly, because of toxic masculinity. Now you're, you're getting it. All right, all right. <laughs> Spider-Man 3, <sighs> best one. <laughs> no one... No one turns it... All right, that's not true, I guess, though, because, like... Mary Jane and James Franco, not Mary Jane, Kirsten Dunst or whatever her name is, um, and James Franco do turn in their best performances in this. And I think it's because they were like, oh, James Franco, you get to be sort of like fun and goofy in this one. And he was like, fun and goofy? I can do that. Great. And they do the whole like Mr. Steal Your Girl thing where they're making omelets and it's just like the cheesiest, but like also somehow the most charming thing I've ever seen. It's very grounded, interestingly. Like, I think it's. Yeah, they're like falling in love, genuinely. Like, yeah, like, like nowhere in this entire series does Mary Jane, do Mary Jane and Peter have a scene as like cute and like genuine as the scene that she has cooking with James Franco. Exactly. It's good. It's a good scene. And like them accidentally kissing and then running away. Like it's, I feel that. And like, they both 
do a good job. And then it's and then it's like ruined. Like their perfect happiness is ruined by the fact Ugh, of that. Like yeah. he he gets his memory back and he is brainwashed by his his own like lust for revenge. You gotta admit that that's stupid. Like he decides to have amnesia and then decides not to have it anymore, and it's just like up. Oh. Because the plot said so. Well, no. See, here's the thing. I will 100% like respect that that is not it's terrible. super great. But the second movie oh, totally. wrote them into a corner, you know? Like, yeah. the second movie is so bad because it shouldn't have revealed that early that, like, you know, Peter Green is. Goblin knows who knows who Spider-Man is. Like, that just that information just shouldn't be revealed at the end of the second movie. And it doesn't have any impact on the second movie, so they could have just waited until the point in the third movie where he gets his memory back, which would have been good. But the second movie is really bad, so it ruined it. Well, I mean, I, he doesn't even need to lose his memory if he doesn't know who Spider-Man is, you know? That's what I'm saying. Like, so, like, the, the whole thing with, like, losing the memory because, like, sure, that's cliche but it's not unbelievable um it's you know amnesia is a real thing and he gets his memory back like it's just it's just like a, a plot point i know it just feels really unearned as a plot point to me well i mean it happens when they are in like this really like brutal fight where it's kind of like a fight to the death and the thing that's at stake is like very clearly established to be like spider-man's ability to marry mary jane because he's like yeah. they're like going for the ring and you know like i gotta protect the ring which is like this really great symbol of you know what's at stake in that scene yeah and it's a really great fight scene like i think of all of the fight scenes i do think that one is probably the best it's a good fight scene yeah and you know i i agree the the most legitimate criticism that anyone has ever made about spider-man 3 is that the amnesia thing is a little sloppy it's more than a little sloppy but the rest of the movie is super tight okay give me one plot hole in this movie give me one plot hole in all all of spider-man 3 i can give you 10 plot holes in spider-man 1 or spider-man 2 if you want (laughs) but give me one in spider-man 3 i'm sure that there are i am very bad at like instant recall like that so you're gonna win this argument but like no but i i that's my okay that's my dare to anybody on twitter you know yeah give me one plot hole in spider-man 3 Three, you're you're incorrect. Spider-Man <laughs> Three is a flawless movie. There are a few plot conveniences, no plot holes. Let's talk about Eddie and Venom. Eddie, because you love I love him. Eddie. <laughs> and and I guess maybe we should talk about Gwen a little bit too. Um, yeah, we'll talk about Gwen. Gwen is, you know, unfortunately a little bit of you know a, a cardboard box. Um, you know, she's there specifically to be the 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 rebound girl, which is a bit of like a you know. That's kind of a shame considering what her character is in the comics and in the other movies. Um, well, and she's she's there before the rebound. Like, she's also the, like, wedge that helps drive the two of them apart. You know, like, Peter kisses right. her and, like, is lab But he's never really her. into her in any, like, real way. Real way. Yeah, yeah. Well, and he's not even really into her when, like, he takes her to use her against Mary Jane. Like, she's always just, like... Yeah, like, she she's not even really a rebound girl. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, that character, it makes sense because he's not, you know, Peter Parker's Mary Jane. He is Eddie Brock's Mary Jane. Okay, explain. Well, because, I mean, that's they're originally dating at the beginning of the movie, Eddie Brock and, and 
and Gwen Stacy. And then Peter steals her away from him, not even because he likes her, but just because he's like being an asshole. And but here's the thing: they're not really dating. Like Gwen immediately is like, "What do you mean?" Like the line. He's like, hey, Gwen, we're going out. And she's like, we got dinner once. Like, we went on a date. We're not dating. Yeah, cause he's, because he's Peter Parker, you know? Peter Parker is also like, you know, we're going to get married, you know, Mary Jane, even though we, like, basically just started going out because I've been in love with you forever and, like, since high school even. And we're perfect for each other. And Eddie oh Brock's the same God. way. He's just a goofy kid. <laughs> Trying to make ends meet. Oh God! There's Topher just, Grace gives a gives a career defining performance. It's so <laughs> he good. does do a great job. It's really fun. I think he's smarmy in like the exact yeah. perfect way. Like, remember that scene where he's like coming in and like stealing um, Peter's thunder at uh, at the Daily Bugle, and he yeah. comes in and he's like, you know, photography's a little bit more than uh, about uh, flagpoles. There's a uh, there's framing. There's focus. There's composition. <laughs> so good. He's he's like the perfect antithesis to Peter. He's just yeah. like Peter, who's a little bit more of a go-getter, and he just goes completely insane because Peter ruins his life. Yeah. It's and like he, he really does, but like he also fucks up, you know, like it's not totally unearned. He did Photoshop a picture. What, that he goes insane or Well no, that like Peter exposed him and is like he photoshopped. Oh yeah, well he's just you know, he's a go getter. You know, I mean Peter's lying too to get his shots, you know? He is Spider Man. Yeah. I mean, like, like we like a go-getter. You know, if if the, if the hero of this story was Eddie Brock, like, P, like, Peter Parker would be the villain. And that's the whole purpose of this movie is to show that, like, heroes can be villains from a different perspective. Villains can be heroic in their own way. Sandman is not really a villain. He's just trying to make ends meet. You know, and all these criminals that Spider-Man's been stopping, maybe they have families, too, that they're trying to right. feed. And they can't stand up to Spider-Man because they don't have, you know, Sandman powers, so all of them are right. just in jail. All right, you're making me hate Spider-Man three a little bit less. And that's that's really the reason I came here today. <laughs> Thanks for coming but to my TED talk. Thanks for coming to my TED talk. Spider-Man three, not that bad. Now let's see if I can change your mind about Amazing Spider-Man two. I I want you to be able to. I don't <laughs> know that you can. Because there's value there, right? You know, like yeah, there's something so is- there. This is number two on your list, and this is number two from the bottom of mine. Now, this is, like, a little bit different of an experience, because obviously when I saw Spider-Man 3, I knew what other people thought of it. I knew people think, like, this is a terrible movie. But I saw Amazing Spider-Man 2, like, right when it came out. And when I saw it, I just assumed everyone would like it. Really? Because it's, like, a fun, action-packed movie with, like, really good romance and, like... The villains are directly connected to Peter, and it feels a lot like, you know, Spider-Man 2 to me, Um, you know, in in the way that it's, like, structured, and I don't know, I just didn't understand why people didn't like it, and then it was just like, Electro's too campy, and I'm like, okay, yeah, Electro's campy, not like... The Green Goblin's fucking Not like Green Goblin. (laughs) Not like Dr. Octopus with his, like, oops... Butterfingers well, <laughs> and then like dropping people off a car. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, hold on. Are, are we getting ahead of ourselves by talking about Amazing Spider-Man 2 before we talk about Amazing Spider-Man? But I think we probably mostly agree on that one, that it's like a good I don't know. movie. I have it as number three on my list. 
Okay. Well, what, yeah, let's let's get into it. Like, what's the emotional driving force behind Amazing Spider-Man for you? I feel like, I think especially coming off of Spider-Man 3. Spider-Man 3. Which right. I still, like, as much order. as you're going to love it. I watched them in order, and, like, I, I did see a my, Spider-Man 3, like, originally in theaters, and then I also went to see, like, The Amaz- Amazing Spider-Man originally in theaters. So, like, the last taste I had in my mouth was goofy-ass Sam Raimi bullshit, you know? Yeah. And, like, I, 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 I was not a fan of Spider-Man 3 when I saw it. Um, right. I mean, Amazing Spider-Man is the opposite of camp. It's very yes, grounded. It's so grounded. And and I really like that. And I think it's also much more of a modern superhero. Like, it's clearly a post-Iron Man film, you know? Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. Really, really in a big way. Yeah. If you can like, feel that Iron Man sort of just came out. Yeah. Like, this is, this is a movie that exists like after the MCU is starting to like get its legs under it. Um, And like Sony wanted to make more Spider-Man movies, but they're done with Sam Raimi. So they did this. Um, Well, they had to retain the rights. It was literally a, you know, a studio mandate, Yeah, which is why a lot of people have like a negative association with amazing Spider-Man. Which I I think this movie gets a really bad rap. Like I I really enjoy it. Like, I think... Well, I don't think there's I, anything that you can really say that's, like, bad about it. It's just, like... But people do. There's not that like, much there don't... that to love, to fall in love with about this Spider-Man. I don't know. I mean, maybe I just have the hots for... <laughs> for... What's-his-face? God, why am I... Andrew He's, Garfield. Andrew Garfield is very sexy. and He's very sexy. on-screen chemistry... His on-screen chemistry with Emma Stone is unparalleled in, like, superhero, superhero romance. Yeah. yeah superhero like, movies in general, but also superhero romances. Like, I, right. I cannot think of any superhero romances that even come close to yeah, their and, chemistry. Yeah, and I... I, I, like, read, like, one reviewer who said that, like, these movies are romance movies before anything else, and, like... Yeah, they are. I, I kind of agree. Good. Like, I get it. I see it. Um, and, like, I don't know. Like, I, I do genuinely really like the romance. I buy it. I believe right. it. It feels like a much more genuine motivating factor than, like, the bullshit, I love Mary Jane because I always have, like, crap from the Sam Raimi movies. Um, well, I mean, it's replaced with sort of the, like, snark of a, a rom-com, which is still not legitimate, like, real-life romance, but it's it's, no. it's a much more entertaining form of movie romance. Yeah, and, and, like, they have actual conversations with each other that, like, lead me to believe that these two people would want to spend time together versus, like, I agree. the stilted dialogue between MJ and Peter in the Raimi films. Um, oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> There's not a moment where Andrew Garfield goes, "Oh boy!" Yeah, Jay um, Willikers. <laughs> so, so like, I, I really like that. People also criticize this one for Peter starting off as a superhero um, out of revenge, and like, I don't hate that. Personally. I saw that video too. Yeah, like, I, I really don't hate that at all. Like. I don't know why people have such well, a big problem Well, here's the thing is, it. like, it's all about framing, right? Yeah. Like, 
This is the same arc as in Spider-Man 3, where he starts out out of revenge and then by the end learns to actually take responsibility for his actions. Right. And but whereas Spider-Man 3 is about forgiveness, this one is about, you know, owning up to your mistakes, which is totally. slightly different. Yeah. And, and like, I don't know, there's a lot of like, especially after all of the like Sam Raimi things where the same shit happens again and again and again, movie after movie, like... Like, it's just really nice. He's got tropes, yeah. Like, like it's got tropes, but, like, there, there are things that... Amazing Spider-Man is is t- trying to take, like, the comic book movie of Spider-Man 1 and translate it into modern movie genre, yeah. which is, is it's a little bit different because modern movie genres have to be a multitude of genres. They, yes. they contain multitudes. <laughs> um, and... and so, like, Amazing Spider-Man 1 is a romance, but it's also a spy thriller. It's also a genuine action movie. It's also, you know, like a, you know, a, a, like a crime drama where he's trying to, like, hunt down his father figure's killer. You know, it's it's a lot of different things. Yeah. And, and I don't know. And I like that. I, I do agree that the villain in this one is Lizard Man is, like, not the best villain like I mean I really like Kirk Connors yeah. because I feel his motivation he, he's got this missing arm and he wants to regrow it he feels incomplete you know I, I don't know like probably like actual people with disabilities hate this this yeah. storyline but as a, a totally able-bodied person you know it feels like he's you know he's got this um this complex it's like a um inferiority complex yes that's it exactly (laughs) he has like an inferiority complex and it's just by like peter coming in and sharing this formula with him that he gets this access to a ton of power yeah out of nowhere and and that's another thing that i like about the amazing spider-man movies over the sam raimi films is that like I actually believe that this Peter Parker is, like, a smart guy. Like, we see him, like, experimenting and doing work and, like, being intelligent. Like, I I don't know. Right, yeah, the whole sequence where he's, the whole sequence where he's building the web shooters is a lot of fun. Yeah. And it it, it does help us, like, to empathize with him as a character. He's just a more fun character in these movies, I feel. And, like... Like, he, I, yeah, I, I think he's funny. It, it's a lot of it is the performance, but, like, he's... He's got one-liners, for he's sure. He's got one-liners. Like, I, I love all of his interactions with, like, Aunt May and Uncle Ben in these. Like, whether they're dramatic or funny, like, I believe that these are a family of people who, like, hang out together and have a history and know each other and, like fight about the fact that his parents abandoned him, but then also, like, come back together and love each other and support each other. Yeah, I mean, Spider-Man 1 had that scene where he's like, you're not my dad, so stop acting like it. <laughs> but then in, like, the Amazing Spider-Man, it's really, like, played up, like, the absence of these characters. Yeah. And, I, I like, that's never really explored in the comics either. But I don't think it has to be. Like, as a child, like, you do feel the absence of your parents if you're, you know, adopted. Even if you are adopted by, you know, relatives. It's like there's an absence there. You don't know really where you come from. You're sort of an outsider. And that's not really dealt with. And I think that's fine. And, like, I agree in Spider-Man 2. I don't think, like, a lot of the parent stuff is necessarily necessary. Maybe you love it. We'll get to it. 
Um, but like, at least in Spider-Man one, like it, it feel and amazing Spider-Man, like it feels motivated and it feels like it comes from a real place. And like, I, I don't know, I buy it. I like it. And also anyone who says that, like, the best Aunt May is the original is like smoking crack because like <laughs> Sally fucking Fields, man. Like and and Martin Sheen as Uncle Ben. I love him. He's so good. Sally fucking Fields is very good. Um, I will say this though, not to go back to Spider-Man 3 for every single point, but I probably will. <laughs> uh Okay. Aunt May is at her best in Spider-Man 3. I will hear nothing else. The the speech that she gives about when Uncle Ben proposed to her is the only time I actually feel an emotional connection to her. And it's and it's it's so real and she's giving real advice cuz she was like when when he first proposed to me, I said no <laughs> because he wasn't ready. You have to be ready to do more than just help yourself when you're in a relationship. And she sums up exactly what's wrong with yeah. Peter in that movie. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm done with no, three. No, We're moving that, on. That's fine. I, I think that's fine. That is a really great Aunt May movie in the original trilogy. I think it is maybe her only good moment in the original trilogy. It's her only good moment. Um, Every other moment is just like, like when she like, like gets saved from Dr. Octopus and like hits him on the head with a, with an umbrella. And she's like, don't you sass me boy. I'm, I'm a, I'm a sassy grandma. (laughs) Don't go from the bank, Joel McHale. Naughty boy. Boy, your son, your your grandson's a real hero. Oh God. Um, Ugh, yeah, no, I, I like Aunt May and Uncle Ben the best in Amazing Spider-Man, even though I like Homecoming better overall, I I right. like Aunt May the best here. Um, Aunt, Aunt May is so good. I think Uncle Ben is so good. So Martin good. Sheen is a god. He brings real He's... heart, and, like, his death actually, like, I felt something when he died. Like, you can say it was stupid that the guy, like, dropped the gun and he ran for it and whatever. Like, I mean, it's a tense sure. situation. Like, you know, like, Uncle Ben's whole thing is that, like, he's kind of low-key heroic, you know? Like, a bad guy's right. got a gun. I should take the gun away from him. Crick, grab it. Oh, no, I'm dead. Right. Like, like, I don't know. I mean, I buy it. it's just like, it's just he he's so much more of, like, an actual emotional like yeah you know and like, uh, an emotional like wait for for peter because peter has emotional issues mm-hmm. outside of uncle ben dying yes in this movie, yes and like they're you know? issues that are and like, so he really did have to rely on uncle yeah ben. and th- that are addressed and that like continue to motivate him you know um exactly and, and like we actually take time during the death scene for Peter to like be there for his uncle and mourn him as he's dying. Whereas in like the original Sam Raimi ones, he like says one word to Peter dies. Peter sheds a tear and then chases after like the dude who did it, you know, and then murders him in cold blood. (laughs) Um, Wait, does he murder? Yeah. He pushes him out of fucking window and he dies. No, no. I thought he just falls accidentally. And then Peter's like, oops. I mean, Peter basically causes that accidental quote unquote fall. So I don't know. Like, Spider-Man kills a lot of people. Right, exactly. So it's one of those things like in uh, in Batman Begins where he's like, I won't kill you, but I don't have to save you. Yeah, you know? a little. Where he, really he's just killing this guy out of revenge. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I, those are those are yeah. I I just like that a lot about Amazing Spider-Man. Um, I mean Emma Stone as Gwen Stacy is great. Like she yeah. like she just has a great performance. She's a compelling character in her own right. Um, she's a lot more active and like I don't know. I like some of the stuff with like her dad too as the police chief and like. Uh, yeah, it, it really works. works. Super well. it, it does. It really works for me. I I really like it. I'm a sucker for like this forbidden love shit. I, I'm a and, sucker. And like, I'll say this also for the end of this movie. And like, this is why I think Spider-Man Two fucks up so bad. But like, we can yell about that later. Um, <laughs> like at the end when he's like, "Keep Gwen out of it," and Peter's like, "Okay, I promise." Oh, you're dead. Um, and then he tries to, like, stay away from Gwen, but then ultimately he's like, but I do love you and you do still love me, so fuck it, let's be together. Like, and I like that. I yeah. like that ending. I It feels real. It feels earned. It gives Gwen some agency. It allows her to make her own decisions and not be controlled by her father. Um, and it allows Peter to, like, give her that agency to make her own choices. Um, and then that's why I hate Amazing Spider-Man 2, because it undoes all of that. No, it doesn't at all. It follows it through on does. it. 100%. All right, let's talk about it. Okay, how does it fall flat? Go, go ahead. They go back. Peter does the back and forth bullshit, which is my least favorite. My least favorite hero, like superhero trope in general is. My life is too dangerous. I can't be with you. And, like, either explaining it or not explaining it, but, like, giving the other person literally no choice or agency in the matter about whether or not they want to sign on to, like, be a part of your life, danger and all. Like, I hate that trope. I think it's dumb. I think it's, like, manufactured conflict. I think it's toxic masculinity. Like, I... Well, the the fact of the matter is that his life is dangerous. Sure, it totally is. His life did get Gwen's father killed. Yeah, that's... Like, totally fair. Explicitly. But like And like that's not what her dad wanted for him. And so even though he, you know, really wants to be with her, he has to he has to break up with her. Um not because not because of some like you know, this is my duty or whatever, but because he made a promise and that promise is directly tied into his idea of, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. But it values this vague notion of responsibility and like a promise that he made to another man over the actual wants and desires of not only himself, but of the other person who's actually in the relationship. And so he doesn't say... He doesn't say like, okay, well now we can never talk again. He but just he says, basically you know, does. a romantic relationship isn't a good idea right now. No, but they basically break up and then he stalks her. Well, no, because then they try to be friends, but it's just really hard for, it's really hard. And you can see like how rough it is because they do have such good chemistry yes. that it's like legitimately difficult for them to be apart exactly. so w- when they're they like hanging be. out together as friends. Like they shouldn't be because he stalks her every other fucking day, which is like having your cake and eating it too, Peter. Like you can't stalk a girl that you broke up with. Well, he's, it's tearing him apart inside and, and part of his conflict. Then deal with it by not stalking your girlfriend. I'm sorry. He stalks his girlfriend. I hate, Peter Parker in this movie like 
like you can't change my mind on that. All right. Well, I, I mean, maybe I can't change your mind about like stalking, but he's stalking the whole city. He's the Spider-Man. He's on top of buildings. Sure. And he's worried about her safety, like, for not... But you don't get to be worried about your ex's safety when you break up with her... About his so friend's safety. you don't put her in danger. About his friend's safety. You don't get to safety. do that, though. Like, either... Like, if you're really worried about her safety, be with her all the time. But no, because being, like, being around her is literally what gets her killed. Because Then stop following her, because that's more likely to get her killed. Like, do you see that? No, I mean, that's not what gets her killed in the movie. What gets her killed is that they decide that they're going to run away together, but then he has his responsibilities to, you know, stop the villains that he creates. Like, like... It's, it's literally just everything that Peter does comes back to bite him. The fact that he tries to get back together with Gwen at the end of the first movie is literally what leads to her death. And this is just like a movie about consequences. It's the dark chapter in what should have been a trilogy. I guess, you know? but it's just like... Like, yeah, Peter stalking Gwen is not a good thing, but it's motivated and it's real. And it's, it, it's like something, like, it's something bad about his character that... But then, like... That, like feels like realistic to him. Sure, it feels realistic, but like I don't know. The framing is not like, oh, what a romantic gesture. I I it sort of is a little bit. Like we as the audience well, I, are I, supposed to I just to didn't go. interpret it that I way. I think we as the audience are supposed to go, like he cares about her so much, like he's following her and wants to protect her. But then like you can clearly see on her face when he's like, "Yeah, I follow you around all the time." She's like freaked the fuck out. And I think it's insane. Well, that's what I'm saying is like a director tells a, an actor to put that on their face. I mean, you know? sure. But like, uh, <laughs> I think it's insane that then the script has them get back together. Like if I found out my ex-boyfriend was stalking me, I'm not going to get back together with him no matter how much I liked him before. You know, like if you found out but your ex-girlfriend was stalking you, you're not going to get back together. But Hannah. But David. <laughs> They're so horny, Hannah. They are so horny, but like she's about to go to fucking England. Like she should have just. And he's about to go with her as soon as he, you know, wraps up this one quick little thing. But it turns out that was like a real bad idea, and he should have just left and let and let New York City burn. He should have. All right. Well, let's let's talk about the villains. All right. You like him? You want to talk about Paul Giamatti first? Oh, okay, sure. I love Paul Giamatti. He's campy as shit. I love okay, him. Okay, that's... I want, to, I want to put him in a little bear hug. That's another thing about Peter Parker. Uh, in the opening scene of this movie where, like, Paul Giamatti's driving a truck around the city, Peter Parker, like, lets a lot of people die. Well, I don't think anybody dies. He's just, like, crashing into well, cars. death or not, like, be at least maimed because there's presumably people in those cars and like being he's hit snarky. by uh, Spider-Man always be snarking. Spider-Man's allowed to be snarky, but like he's not allowed to just let innocent people die because that's not great power coming with great responsibility. That's great power coming with great one liners The implication of the shots is supposed to be that the cars are getting like basically pushed out of the way. Like no one is dying. I don't know. To me, it's the same thing as, like, you see a ship sink in a kid's cartoon, and you're like, oh, all those people are dead. You know? Like, they're dead. I, 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 don't, I don't know. know. It's, it's, it's like, the, maybe it's, like, bad filmmaking 
I'm not a director. I'm a writer. The, the clear implication is that in these scenes, this is a low stakes chase. They're being chased for like some power source that could be used for, for evil. But as long as you get all of those back, then everything's fine. And like, you know, I, I buy that because that's what the script is telling me. I don't, I don't really care about visuals as much. I, I, I guess. I don't know. I, it's just like, he feels careless in this movie. Like he was snarky in the first movie, but in this movie, he just feels careless a lot of the times. Yeah. I mean, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2, I I guess I don't have as many defenses for, but it just, it makes me feel more things than these other movies like Homecoming, Venom, and Spider-Verse, you know? I mean, like, I I just, I have more emotions in this movie than like in almost any other Spider-Man movie except for Spider-Man 3. And that's why I keep coming back to it because I can look past the flaws in a movie if there's like a really clear character arc. It's giving you the emotional beats. If there's a, if there's really strong emotional beats and there's a really clear character Mm -hmm. arc, then I can look past it. And like the villains are super motivated other than Paul Giamatti because he's a comedy villain. (laughs) So, like, people who are like, there's there's three villains in this movie. There's, there's two, two villains, villains in this movie. Calm, your, calm yourself. Yeah. Um, and, and, like, I will give it that. Like, I I don't think they're the strongest villains ever. But I no. I think they're stronger than a lot of the villains in the original Sam Raimi trilogy. Like I agree wholeheartedly. And, like, they're also... and I think they're stronger than... I personally think that they're stronger than Lizard. Yeah, oh, they're for sure stronger than Lizard. Like, Lizard guy just goes crazy and wants to turn everyone else into lizards. Like, that's... It's yeah. just kind of dumb. These guys... These, These guys, one of them is like a mentally unstable like person on on the poverty line mm-hmm. who's just you know a Spider Man fanatic who gets superpowers like yeah that was basically bound to happen. He's a stalker yeah like like Peter like Peter um but like I I do kind of like Electro's like point like he's got a point you know and I like a villain with a point like I like a villain who is not just like, I like to murder little children. He's like, I was wronged. So now I'm going to wrong some other people. Like I can get behind a villain like that, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, revenge is a very like easy to understand motivation. Yeah. I feel. Yeah. And, and, and both of them just have like this really strong revenge motive because Spider-Man did wrong them. I, I think it, it, it like makes gestures at sort of, talking to like truth to power a little bit where you know it's like you don't look at the little people you ignore people like me and like you cover up my death and you'll lock me away in institutions and study me but like fuck you i've got the power now you know like yeah there is something i like about electro and everybody hates electro and i don't know like maybe it's just because they see themselves in him i think he's way better than fucking harry osborne i don't know I like Harry Osborne. I like these villains, man. I don't know what it is. Like, I, I guess I'm just worse at defending this one than I am at Spider-Man 3 because I understand the filmmaking going into Spider-Man 3, but Amazing Spider-Man 2 is a little bit more complicated, I'll admit. Um, I, I don't know why I like Harry Osborne, but the fact that he's, like, dying of this illness and his best friend is telling him, I can't do this, and he just doesn't understand why because he's, like, a spoiled rich kid. He just He's used to getting what he wants, but also not receiving any love from the people that he trusts, like, because his father doesn't love him. I don't know, there's just, like, a lot of emotional complexity there that I, I, I'm attracted to. And also I'm attracted to Harry, because he's a beautiful man. Yeah, I I, I think it could have been... 
<laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I don't I don't think the acting is like the best on Harry's part in this. Um, I forget the actor's name. Um, yeah, I mean, he's campy. He's campy, shit, but like, and God, the Green Goblin makeup is like truly kind of atrocious. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't see the problem with it. That's what I wanted Willem Dafoe to look like. I mean, but here's the thing. It's like too campy for the rest of the movie, you know, and for like. But the whole movie's pretty campy. The whole movie's campy, but like, it's not Sam Raimi campy. And that makeup was Sam Raimi campy, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. Like it was was just a little too much for me personally. Um, Well, I mean, to call back to like our Doctor Who episode, which I, 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 I'll bet a lot of people have seen. Uh huh. Um, the like we were talking about the difference between Russell T Davies and Stephen Moffat. It's like they're both super camp, but one is like this really emotionally driven, like over the top, like drama guy, and then the other guy's like you know, farting aliens and stuff. Yeah. And like, they're two different kinds of camp, but I, I, I tend to respect the, the emotional, the, um, what's the word? The melodrama. The, the romantic. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The romantic as opposed to the, um, Goofy. the unromantic and just sort of cynical. Sure. I like romance. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who doesn't love a little capital R romance? Um, like, like it's great. Yeah, and I think that's what Amazing Spider-Man Two is. That's how I would define yeah. it as like genre. I, I will say like Gwen Stacy's death scene is very beautiful, and I really like the little sequence that follows it with Peter visiting her grave. Morning. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I do think. And then his father like appearing like out of nowhere, where he's just this sort of like mysterious element for, throughout the first movie and most of the second movie and then he just appears like the mystery is solved but you also don't really know if he's really there it's it's wait when does his dad appear it's like right at the end when he's mourning and his dad like comes and sits next to him god i don't like, even in the graveyard remember that i believe you but i wow i just watched this movie and i don't remember that um yeah let's talk about peter's dad like real quick in this um I, I do agree with everyone who says that this movie would have been better without Peter's parents' plotline. Wow, that's a lot of peace. I disagree. I think I think like the mystery element helps motivate him a lot. It just feels like a distraction. It's it is a distraction, but he's trying to distract himself. Like that's what his character is doing. Yeah, but he's he's I don't think, falling back on old patterns. But I don't think he needs to distract himself with this mystery that kind of goes nowhere, you know? Well, if he was distracting himself by playing video games, it's not visually interesting. Well, he need but the to... audience can get invested in this mystery while at the same time understanding that it's 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 an emotional wall that he's putting up to sure. block out that he he can't be with Gwen and he can't you know help his friend Harry Sure but like, like it's, in, it, it works in for the me. first movie after he decides to be a hero for Uncle Ben instead of seek revenge you know like he just sort of drops the search for the guy who killed him like I don't know I think in Spider-Man 2 he could have picked that back up again you know like and and instead of just harassing people on the street actually do some detective work because we've seen that this well no 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 the the whole the the whole thing about stopping the revenge plot in the first one is that he has to learn that revenge is not the answer that what the real answer is taking responsibility for yourself and your own emotions and you know like 
in the second movie, like it's partially about the like trying to figure out his identity, whether he should continue to be Spider-Man or give it up, whether he should, you know, remain in New York or leave the country entirely and just leave everything behind. And like one of the things that's holding him back is his desperate need to connect to these parental figures that aren't even really a part of his life. Yeah. Well, I mean, these are the kind of things that I can go, like, these are where, this is where my brain goes. Maybe this isn't in the movie, so to speak. It's all, like, in subtext and overtext. But that's how you're but, reading it, and I think that's a fair reading. That's how I, yeah, that's how I take Amazing Spider-Man 2 in. I, you know, I I just, like, feel for the, the characters as if they were real, and I don't really think about the the writing of it as much as I do for a lot of other movies. Which is, I kind of turn my brain off. Which is fascinating to me that, like, you're turning your brain off for some of this shit. Because, like, you don't do that a lot. You don't turn your brain off. I don't. But, I, but this movie can do it for me because it's Spider-Man, you know? Like, Spider-Man is about, like, letting go and just swinging free form through a city. And it's about, like, these grand, like, operatic tragedies of these like villains who are just like brought in by their own hubris like hubris is the spider-man theme yeah that's it's the that's main one <laughs> and amazing spider-man 2 is the most hubrisy hubris movie of all time yeah i mean these are villains of 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 peter's own making because he's so afraid to give harry his blood like, because he's afraid that it's going to, like, you know, Make. mutate him into something monstrous. Because that's literally what happened in the last movie, the last time that he, you know, gave someone some of his right, power. Right, but instead you know, of just, like, brain power. explaining that as Spider-Man, which, like, he could have done, he's just like, sorry, can't help, bye. He did explain it. What do you mean? He said, I don't know what that stuff's going to do to you. Right, but, you know? like, I don't like, know what that stuff's going to do We don't want to rush into this. Isn't like, well, the last time someone tried to mess around with it, they turn into a giant lizard. So. Well, that's. I'm sorry. Is that how you want dialogue yeah. to be? Do you want it to just be literally explicitly saying, like, like just calmly explaining the plot? When you're explaining to a person why you're going to let them die, yeah, I want you to get into the nitty gritty. Like, I don't know. They deserve that. I guess I guess that's fair like from a logical standpoint but from like a film like a filmmaking standpoint I want my dialogue to be emotionally driven first. You're a fraud, Spider-Man. Yeah, that was pretty rough. I mean, there's a lot of <laughs> rough moments. I mean, like everybody loves Doc, Dr. Kafka. Oh god. The most <laughs> the most grounded character in Amazing Spider-Man oh, 2. Oh god. What the fuck was Dr. Kafka? A but like weird I just look past that shit because the the emotions are real for yeah. me. Yeah. That whole scene where Electro turns bad is like that's like art to me. It is. Um, I think it's a pretty good scene and I think it's like really well done. I I don't hate that scene. It's like, you know, he's just trying to like desperately like make this connection with this person cuz he he does care about the little guy. Like that's Spider-Man's thing, but it's just impossible for him. It's just too much. He's he's set the bar way too high. Yeah. And this Max character is just, you know, he, he's just lost and he's just looking for some kind of connection and he can't find it. And, and now suddenly everyone's of... eyes are on him. Yeah. And he doesn't know what to do with that attention. 
And he doesn't want to lose it though. And like, that's right. what motivates And so he's, him. he puts on a spectacle, he puts on a show yeah. and you know, he becomes the villain, like almost out of a, like a trope knowledge, you know, like he's a nerd. Yeah. He, he believes this stuff and you know, he's a genius too. He's a genius like Peter, but I don't know. I just feel like these villains, they, they do convey something about Peter and they're very connected to him and his like issues. And the fact that he creates these villains out of his own, you know, hubris of being Spider-Man and, you know, being the hero. That it feels very Spider-Man to me. <laughs> I, the Spider-Man I movie fair. feels pretty Spider-Man. But I think that's I think that's fair. Um I, I don't know that like Peter creating his own villains is like something that is like a necessity in a Spider-Man film for me, but it, I, no, it's not a necessity. I just I like this yeah. story that they chose to tell, sure, as opposed sure. to like the story of um, the hubris of I built the sun in my living room and it killed my wife. <laughs> yeah. So so relatable. Or as opposed to like you know, as opposed to like meeting your hero and realizing that they're not the hero you wanted them to be, or right. disappointing your fans like that. You know, that's a real issue in the world. Mm-hmm. Maybe not an issue, but it's it's a real thing that happens. Yeah, it's a real thing that people experience and that, like, in our pop culture, we've seen enough people experience that we can, like, have a touchstone to it. Right. Or or disappointing your, your friend, your best friend since childhood because you can't give them what they need or you think you know what they need, but you don't actually know, like... And you're just yeah. sort of playing it by ear. Like it, the the scene where he's begging Spider-Man for the, the blood, it, it reminds me of like somebody begging for drugs or, or, or alcohol when, you, you know, you think you know best for them. Yeah. But you just don't have the like skills to, to deal with to their emotional with problems. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm being extremely. Um, generous. I'm being extremely generous to the movie. Yeah. I'm giving it an extremely charitable reading because I choose to, because I choose to enjoy the movies that I see. I mean, I enjoy Spider-Man 1 and 2. I just think that they're campy as shit and, like, completely stupid and the character arcs make no sense. Yeah. (laughs) All right, well... But hey, that's just me. Well, those are all old Spider-Men. But, um, there's a bunch of new Spider-Mans now in the world. Yeah. Spider-Man has become like its own thing it's just it's just it's its own universe but also it's within different universes yeah it's everything and and it's been integrated into the larger marvel universe um we've got like a an animated version that's come to the big screen now um and all of those things deserve to be talked about but we're not gonna do it this week we're gonna do it next week we're gonna do it next week Next week, we're going to talk about all the Spider-Man tropes as Spider-Man becomes the pop culture icon he always deserved to be. And and we're going to give a little shout out to Venom, too. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, all right. Well, David, you've made me hate Spider-Man 3 a little bit less. What about Amazing Spider-Man 2? No, I still kind of hate it. Like, all, all the things you said, I, I agree with, but I still kind of hate it. Um, and, and yeah, I, I had a good time talking, talking with you about I had a good movies. time too. Spider-Man always gets me in a, in a happy, happy jolly mood. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you webheads next week. Uh, 
Yeah, and remember to tweet at me if you can think of a single fucking plot hole in Spider-Man 3. You're wrong. You're so wrong. I'm so excited. Get out of here. Go home. (laughs) Go back to your spider hole. All right. Bye, y'all. Bye.